So we're looking at uh, going through Corinthians, so we're up to chapter 15, but I want to tell you a story. There was a, there's a couple, older couple, been married many years, uh, probably for about four decades, and but they weren't happily married. They were having some difficulties, actually, and so um, they... This older couple, retired couple, were going to a counsellor, just trying to, you know, sort out some problems, and it, and uh, came to the fact that uh, the the wife felt really unloved. She really felt unloved. And she said, "You know, he never tells me that he loves me." And the counsellor counsel was astounded. Said, Is that true? She says, "Yeah." It's true. He said, but 45 years ago at the altar, I told her that I loved her, and if I'd changed my mind, I would have told her. <laughs> but actually, uh, we need reminding. Hey, we need to remind the people around us that we love them, and uh, we need to remind ourselves of of truth at times, and be reminded of truth. So let's read this scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he had, he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. So the temptation is this, you know, our our temptation is this, to be always looking for new stuff. For always to be looking for the new, rather than reminding ourselves of old true things, of old true things, the old truth, old gold, as Shah likes to say these days. You know what? Old truth can produce life. Old stuff can produce life. Uh, and I'm allowed to say this. She's given me uh, permission. So, um, Shah has 
previously had a medical condition called uh, endometriosis, which a lot of women have, about 6 to 10%. And it's a medical condition that um, can affect your fertility. And so there's different medical procedures to combat it. And uh, so we were 10 years before our firstborn came along, Isaac. And um, Shah had endometriosis and uh, had tried different things. Nothing was working. And then we were overseas, and my my mum saw this sort of documentary of this. Um, it was a new procedure, but actually it was an old procedure. And this doctor, Neil Johnson, he was using um, a flush of the fallopian tube. I know there's medical people here. I hope I'm not going past my knowledge, but uh, <coughs> he was um, doing a flush with poppy seed oil, which they used to do in the old days, and then they moved to a synthetic uh, variation of it that was not as good, and this uh, incredible doctor, Neil Johnson, he was going back to the old style and using that and getting incredible results, so my mum saw this documentary and she said, my daughter-in-law is, um, is overseas, she's coming back, and she started stalking him, and <laughs> as mothers do, and she, she had her way, and Shah went up on New Year's Eve, I think it was, had the procedure, New Year's Eve, and then 10 months later, November the 2nd, 2004, uh, Isaac appeared, with some of my help, and... Um, <laughs> But, you know, sometimes new life can come out of old truth. And, and that's what we're about today. That's what I want to say today. I want to remind us two things about the faith that have been handed down from our ancestors in the faith. Two old truths. And number one, number one, the faith is a combination. The faith is a combination. Verse 10, Paul says this, I have worked harder than all of them. I have worked harder than all of them. But not I, but the grace of God that was with me. I've worked harder than all of them, but not I, but the grace of God with me. Nui atu takumahi itarato katoa. Nā te aroha noa, that's grace, o te atua of God, i mahitahi, working with me, me home. So whose whose work was it? Whose mahi was it? Was it his work or God's work? Actually, it's a combination. It's a combination. God's work and effort and our work and effort. Uh, Ephesians 4, this is a, a very important pa- um, passage to us as a church. It's on our bus. Uh, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, was he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, evangelists. Five things. To prepare God's people for works of service. So some he got to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, evangelists. I've said that twice. Teachers is the fifth one. To prepare, not prevent, but prepare God's people for works of service. 
So, it's a combination of God's work and effort and our work and efforts. The writer Paul talks of his personal engagement with the work of the faith. But he wants to assure his readers, the first readers and us today, that it's not just him trying harder. It's not just him gritting his teeth. But it's, it's not just him trying to compensate God for his previous wrongdoings. That's not it. But it's him working alongside God, alongside the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. It's a combination. He still, Paul still needed to be a willing participant in the work. There were two farmers and they had uh, farms right next door to each other. They shared a fence actually. And every now and again, they'd be working alongside each other on their farms. And uh, one was a strong atheist, one was a strong Christian believer. And um, they were actually both trying to convert each other to their way of thinking. And every now and again, they'd have conversations on the fence line. And uh, so this day, they were working uh, on their farms right right in uh, the paddocks that were adjacent to each other. And uh, the Christian farmer comes up to his atheist uh, farmer friend. And the Christian farmer, he says, Gee, you know, mate, you and the Lord have done a great job on this farm. And the atheist uh, farmer, he turns and says, yeah, you should have seen it when the Lord was just working on it by himself. (laughs) But actually, in the faith, it's a combination. It's a combination of our work and his work. You know, us working alongside in, in, in tandem with the Holy Spirit. It's a combination. Uh, I remember 25 years ago, I was just sort of trying to come to grips with the, the, that really important thing of hearing daily, hearing all the time from the Holy Spirit and being obedient to that. And um, so I, I was kind of experimenting, really. And one time I was praying early in the morning, and I'd arranged the day before at church, we'd had this speaker who was an expert in Muslim evangelism. And we'd arranged for uh, me to go and talk to him the next day. So uh, I was praying, and then as I was praying early in the morning, I felt the Holy Spirit say, don't go, don't go. And that's weird. Anyway, I didn't go. And then uh, a couple of hours later, I just got this sense of go now. So I went, and he wasn't there, but a few minutes later he came back. And what happened is that he was just late. And it was just, I guess, uh, Holy Spirit just being with me, being aware of, of Him. And, uh, I guess that's what the faith is about, of being aware and being, uh, obedient and being a willing participant with what the Holy Spirit's doing. Not always easy. We don't always get it wrong, but it's what we are about. It's a combination. His work and our work. His effort, our effort. A, uh, a kind of perennial problem of the church has been is we kind of veer one side or the other. Uh, it's all about God's effort or it's all about our effort. And so it kind of be too much one of the other. 
It's come to be known by kind of two names from the 17th century on of these two, two things. Uh, the first one is called Calvinism. And at the extreme edge, it's called hyper-Calvinism. And what it is, is the teaching that the faith is basically all of God's activity. That's called hyper-Calvinism, named after a guy called Calvin. And uh, it's all about God's sovereignty. And all we are is we just sort of get puppets that get dragged along with God's will and purpose. Hyper-Calvinism. The other side is called Arminianism, named after another guy. And his teaching, it's really hard to say, his teaching is the opposite, is that it's um, faith is really, really, really about our responsibility. And God's hand is forced by our activity. Our activity is what forces God to make things happen. And the truth, of course, is that it's a combination. It is God producing in us a desire and ability uh, to do things, to obey, to speak, to evangelize, to teach, worship, serve, sacrifice. And, and, and we actually have the opportunity to either oppose that or embrace that. And it's like uh, two railway lines, really. That's the truth. It's God's sovereignty and it's our work, our obedience. It's, it's like two railway lines along, going alongside each other. Uh, I like this. Someone said this. Kind of helpful. I pray, I pray like it's all up to God, but I work like it's all up to me. <laughs> I pray like it's all up to God, but I work like it's all up to me. So, what is the faith? The faith is a combination. I want to remind us of that. The faith is a combination of him and us. Number two, the faith is a substitution. The faith is a substitution. Verse three, Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. He didn't die for his sins. He died for our sins. He died for our sins. His sacrifice for our sin. It's a swap. But it's not like a, it's not like a fair swap. It's like a brothers playing Pokemon cards, you know, where the older brother swaps his stink ones and gets the real good ones. Of those of you who are into that stage. It seems unfair, but it, it's what it is. It is unfair. It's reality. Christ has taken Jesus Christ has taken our sin upon him on the cross and given us his salvation. It's a substitution. It's amazing. It's not fair, but it's true. And this is said to be of first importance. First importance. This is it. This is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of the good news. This is what we are about. Christ died for our sins. And it's predicted by Scripture. For instance, Isaiah 53. This is, this was written, Isaiah was written 700 years previous to Christ about. So it's amazing. Isaiah 53 verse 3. Uh, He was despised and rejected by mankind. Talking about Christ. 
a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, it's like someone you least expected. You had a restaurant, someone you least expected, hardly ate anything, didn't eat anything, picks up the bill for us. It's amazing. And actually, Paul is just flabbergasted by it. He can't, he's still bewildered by it. He says, I am the least of everyone. I'm the least. But, but I'm, I'm astounded by God's unmerited, unearned generosity to me. Why me? I'm the least of the apostles. And him, of all people, has been included in God's great rescue plan. You know, most of us, we have a a memory of a behavior. As we look back, you think, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? Why did I do that? As a, as a teenager, uh, I used to go running with a friend of mine who came to the Noho called Sean. We'd go running sort of Sunday night to Thursday, most nights. We were in the same rugby team. And, um, and one time, I uh, got back, back to my place and um, right outside my house, there was a hedgehog. And uh little hedgehog, we finished the run, and uh, I just nudged it with my foot, and it squeaked. Oh, I gave it another nudge, and it squeaked again, and I just, I just started kicking it, kicking it, kicking it. And um, and Sean went home, and he um, mentioned it to his mum, and, and she knew me. I was around there a lot. She said, no, 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 Carl wouldn't do that. But Carl did that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I, well, I do know. I was showing off to my friend. But uh, all of us probably have some memory, probably multiple memories of things we are ashamed of. Yeah, why did I do that? And Paul, verse 9, he too, he's bewildered by his own aggression and ignorant and violent opposition to the church. Verse 9, that is why he calls himself the least of the apostles. And at the same time, God's generosity to him, that he allowed, that God had allowed the church's worst opponent to become its greatest advocate and champion. And all through the substitution of verse 3, Christ died for our sins, taking our punishments. Imati, atikaraiti mo tato hara. Christ died for our Sins substituted himself in our place, and, and it's true that the faith is a combination of his work and our work. But our first importance is this: Christ died for our sins. 
And if you've never admitted that or accepted that, you need to do so. We need to keep reminding ourselves of this. That's why we have communion every now and again, to remind ourselves of old truth that for 2,000 years, the, the people of faith, the Christian faith, the followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, have reminded themselves of this old truth, that Christ died, not for his sin, but for our sin. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Uh, This thing of first importance, we don't want to forget it. We don't want to put it to the side. We want to keep reminding ourselves of it, that um, you didn't earn it. You didn't earn the death. Uh, actually, we did, but you substituted yourself in our place. And we're, um, we are bewildered by it. We're flabbergasted by it. We don't really understand it. Um, but as we come today, I want to say today, Lord, that we accept it. And we're grateful for this, that you died for our sins. Praise your name. Amen.